Are you ready to elevate your taste experience? Look no further than Mad Picks, the home of the sweet heat jalapeno and cucumber. Our pickled jalapenos and cucumbers add a satisfying crunch and tangy flavor to any dish. From sandwiches to tacos, nachos to burgers, the possibilities are endless. Whether you're a fan of sweet, heat, or both, we've got the perfect pickles for you. Indulge in the sweet, heat, jalapeno, and cucumber from Mad Picks. Visit mad-picks.com today. Go ahead, take a bite, and let the flavors dance on your tongue. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's another day at the Daily BM, and I have Michael with me today. Hey, Mike, what's going on? Hey everybody, what's going on? <laughs> You're very chipper today, Michael. I love it. No, I'm, I'm doing it for continues. I'm, I'm doing it for our, our, our favorite listener, Dan. You know, trying to bring the liveliness. You know, I spoke to him uh, the other day, and he said, "You know what? I said that stuff, and then I realized I'm going to get called out for every show moving forward." <laughs> so I just kind of got tickled and laughed about it. <laughs> this one's for you, Dan. This one's, this for, one's you. for you, Danny. This one's for you. But we have a very special guest with us today. It is Tom. Tom, how are you doing? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Fantastic, fantastic. All right. Uh, yep, yep. So, uh, Tom, uh, exactly. Where are you? Uh, where are you uh, currently located at? Currently located, I'm at Monroe Community Hospital. Uh, long story short, <clears throat> about four years ago, okay. Um, I use a pair of uh, long leg braces and a walker to to uh, ambulate uh, to get from point a to point b i i also have a wheelchair but um the braces give me a little bit more mobility and unfortunately i'm in my 50s now where things tend to start to go wrong and um i dislocated my shoulder yeah, tell me about it <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm walking out of the pushing myself out of the bathroom one day and i'm like this is different because I couldn't get a full push forward <laughs> moment and, um, right. Very odd feeling. So <clears throat> long story short, they took me to the emergency room, um, did some x-rays and, uh, said, well, you separated your shoulder. You have a supplementation in your left shoulder and you need surgery right now. Oh, okay. Oof. Uh, so they sent me to, um, strong and from there they, um, did everything they could do there for me and, um, then sent me to Monroe community hospital for rehab. And I've been doing rehab for the last four years. So, mm. in the interim, I've had, uh, different health challenges, um, COVID that was fun. I don't know if you guys have had that yet, but by all means avoid it. If you can, I had a very, very mild case of it. Yeah. So did I luckily, you know, Tom, I have been very, very fortunate. I've been very, very fortunate that I have not had COVID that I know of. I've tested negative every time I thought I might've had it. Right. Yeah. They, they're, uh, they're very diligent about that. To be honest. Yeah, I bet, mm-hmm. you know, um, I know, like, for instance, I've been to, I flew to every hot zone. I went to Ohio. I went to Michigan during the real heat of the pandemic, you know, uh, where the flights were empty. 
so to speak. And um, wow. walked around, did everything. Um, up, never got it. Um, just un- guess lucky. Sometimes it's just yeah. good to be lucky, you know. Yeah, it is better to be lucky than smart. So yeah. you know, I fall right into that Sometimes. one. Then. <laughs> yeah, well, because I am very smart. <laughs> me too. Ding ding ding. <laughs> Truth. Here, Mike. Like, ding, my, ding, ding. Truth my, comes my, out right there. <laughs> my my dad's philosophy was he's no longer with us, and my parents are no longer with us, unfortunately. But my father's philosophy was it's not what you know, it's what you don't know that counts. Mm. So all right. I took that to heart and yeah. <clears throat> I just uh yeah, gotta play dumb sometimes. Yep. So, <clears throat> so Whatever works for so, you. So, looking look, looking a little bit at your past, you, you've had you've had a, a bunch of, I guess you've had some medical challenges growing up, to say the least. Sure. Um, sure. You have a spina bifida, right, and right. thorax number ten. Yep. Ten yeah. vertebrae, and then um, you're diagnosed that early in age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at um, birth. So that's why you have the need for the, yeah, yeah, yeah. at birth, and then uh, you, that's why your di- uh, needed the uh, the wheelchair and the um, leg braces. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, Um, just to get around with, but yeah. So what the, um, the little bio that you sent us, um, the article that you wrote up, which was a great article, by the way, uh, your parents, I guess they, they moved you to Canada at a very young age. What was that like? Yeah. Um, I'll give you the, the bridge version as best I can. When I was sure. Um, when I was four years old, um, my pedi- my pediatrician, Dr. Rufus Bynum, uh, left us a number of year ago, year number of years ago, unfortunately, wanted me to I was mm. I was in this like therapeutic wheelchair. And when I was four years old, and he said, No, we gotta do something different. So he did some research and he found this gentleman by the name of Wally Motluck. <clears throat> and uh, mm-hmm. Wally Motluck was an orthotist at Toronto Children's Hospital in uh, Toronto, Toronto, Canada. And um, so my mother and father packed my sister and I, who was five at the time, um, packed us up and... Mm. We moved to Canada, and what we would do is I would stay in Canada at Toronto Children's Hospital with my mother, and my dad and my sister would come up on the weekends. And um, not the most ideal circumstances, but they worked. So, and um, um, I was there maybe a year, year and a half, <laughs> and uh, this Wally gentleman who, uh, Fortunately, he's uh, still with us. He's he's in his 80s, I think. And uh, I actually talked wow. to him about four years ago <clears throat> and uh, told him that I was going to put all this together in a story, uh, which I've done. And um, it's mm-hmm. called uh, Beyond the Bridge. Right. That's that's the book that you just authored, correct? Yeah. Yep. Um, I never said it was good. It's available so I, on. Uh... It, it's not. It's not done yet. I've. I've got to um, make an actual book out of it. Um, 
the the manuscript is done. Oh, okay. Um, but we just um, okay. We've got to make an actual book out of it. So. Um, I got you. Which so we're going to be doing in the next waiting, couple waiting months. Waiting to find a publisher at the moment. Right. Okay. Cool. Yep. Are you going to so. self-publish or do you have a publisher? Um. Right now, it looks like we're going to self-publish if we can't. Um, okay. We can't find anybody, but uh, we're we're on the we're on the hunt. If you know, there's anybody out there that wants to do it in a economical manner, because uh, a lot of these publishers gotcha. are interested, mm-hmm. but they want a lot of money to, just to say hello. So. Yeah. So, exactly. That's um, that's the point where we're like, at. I have a question, and maybe. You- Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe you can answer something for me. And I don't know, since you've been dealing with publishers so far, you were talking about how like they always want just money to talk. So when you self-publish, I mean, because I don't know, Mike, I think you looked into like writing a book at one point too. But uh, when you yeah. self-publish, do you have to go through like – how do you get it printed? Like if you're going to do print or do you just like stick to audio books now that those are available? Well, how, does that, how does that work? How does that, um, you know? So the easiest method is ebook through your own website. Okay. Um, basically that's just having someone that's, you know, having the man writing a manuscript, you know, which is a story. And then basically having an editor edit it and then you put it in the format, like a, like a PDF format usually, or, or some other ebook format. And then you can put it on, you know, Amazon Kindle. There's a process to go through that. The quickest way is to obviously put it on your own website, but that's also the least exposure way. Um, because you have to drive traffic to your website. And then once you get past that point, you can, you can also um, have your own books printed. It's just self-publishing and you just, there's a lot of book printers out there. You can just Google, um, you know, self-publishing book printer and that you can order however many copies you want, 2,500, 10,000, a million. I mean, just however much you want to pay. And then you've got to find distribution locations, which some artists um, before the internet, they would just set up, you know, booths and stuff like that, right. at different events, kind of you what know, you see in the old movies in the eighties and nineties where they would sit up Correct. in a booth, you know, with the big and they just, they just, you know, they'd get the word out and then hopefully you'd get enough buzz about the book that a big publisher would come in and want to buy your, your, uh, work and then Correct. publish a work for you. And they take a, a pretty hefty percentage from what I've heard. Now I haven't had any direct experience cause I haven't, haven't gotten off the ground with that, but that's my understanding of the process. Um, but you know, the hardest part in my opinion would be just getting that original manuscript together. Cause that's what, that's what starts it all. That's the catalyst. And then right. you know, finding someone that can do the editing for you to edit it and make it concise. And cause I mean, t- Tom's got a pretty amazing story. And I think that when his book does get published, it'll be a great read, even though he's a little skeptical on it. I still think it's going to be a fascinating story. Um, cause you, you basically, the, sorry. Oh, sorry, Brad, do you have another question? No, I was just going to say that, yeah, I agree. You know, the the whole thing with the audibles too, like I was going to just say, you know, audible books, would that be something you would think about narrating on your own or would you hire a narrator to do it for you? I've always found it interesting when people narrate their own stuff. I feel like I connect better with the book because I'm feeling the emotion um, right. of Good that point. person that's reading the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that, but I'm, I'm probably going to, probably going to do that. Um, I have Excellent. a decent voice. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very good friends. I don't know if you know about Rochester Radio at all, but uh, <clears throat> very good friends with Brother Wheeze, who um, 
he sends his regards, by the way. He um, has the <laughs> top drive time morning show in Rochester. And, uh, oh, that's oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, he and I have been friends for, God, 38 years or better. Right. And, uh, oh, that's that's freaking awesome. Yeah. Now, was did you meet him? Um, so fast forwarding a little bit in your life, um, your father owned uh, Turner Automotive Corvettes, right? Um, which looks looked really cool. And then then you took control of that um, on your father's passing. Actually, so is that how you met the radio station? Or um, no, I I. Yeah, and no, correct me Weez. where I'm wrong because I'm just going off the article. Yeah, um, I I had met Weeze at a comedy club of all places, and um, oh wow, okay, yeah, my you guys just kicked it off. My my mother was one of these um, um, modern parents that just dropped me off with money at this gnarly comedy club of the city, and <laughs> she knew that Weeze was going to be there, and he's um. He's got a heart of gold, and she just asked him to asked him to kind of look out for me, you know, to make sure drunks didn't trip over my chair or whatever. <clears throat> so we got to yeah. talking, and um, we've been friends ever since. I've mm-hmm. been to his wedding. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's 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 really awesome that you just got to kind of hit it off that way. So yeah. you know, going back back to your childhood, so you've got you went and had these um, the parapodium. Uh, prosthetics made to help. I don't know. Is it prosthetics? Prosthetics, the right word for those? Is that what there would be still orthotics. considered? Or is it just a, are they orthotics? Prosthetics. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Prosthetics. Yep. So, yeah. so you had those created, which at the time they, they did not exist in the U S right. Okay. That was something that was, well, um, completely new. They always and wanted Can it. you talk a little bit about, yeah. Can you talk a little bit how they work and like what, what the, uh, the, the benefits are, um, you know, yeah, like, kind of like the pros and cons or the listeners that don't know anything about it. Um, what you have is <clears throat> you have a full body brace with um, like a vest up top and mm-hmm. it's got straps on it. You strap your upper body in and it's got two steel poles on the side of it um, that attach to this uh, base and okay you walk with the swivel motion and uh in other words you have to use your arm and your shoulders to propel propel yourself from point a to point b okay and um nobody nobody had the technology in the united states so like i say we went to went to toronto and uh got Mm -hmm. hooked up with wally and um, rest of the day, say his history because we bought brought the <clears throat> technology back to the United States and we brought it to this company called Rochester Orthopedic Laboratories. And it was this little mm-hmm. mom and pop. It was in a house. Um, it was in a, this mom and pop uh, orthotic business. And mm-hmm. they took the technology and they mass produced it so that uh, kids with disabilities whether it be spina bifida or whatever um, could walk 
whereas mm-hmm. beforehand they didn't have the opportunity to to do so. It's <clears throat> so it's fairly groundbreaking. I th- I think there was myself and two others that had one, and um, from there I I had that till I was about seven, <clears throat> and then I graduated to uh, by then the technology had advanced. And by then, I um, graduated to a full body brace, which was, again, you had the body jacket and you had these leg cups where you could put your legs in these stirrup-like things and you could stand up and you could use the hop-through motion with a with a walker. And uh, that's, that's oh, okay. what I did. And uh, that's what ultimately led to my shoulders' demise, unfortunately. Um, yeah, mm, all the all the extra pressure on the shoulder and working that joint has caused your shoulder right. To you're have some you're asking, now. yeah, you're you're asking other parts of the body yeah. to do what other parts of your body normally do. So it's it's a complicated process. But so um, go ahead. So what was it, what was it like, um, growing up, you know, going to school and, you know, things of that nature? Cause, um, I remember growing up, you know, we, we really never like, I, I, I wasn't a bully, but I, I really never saw like, you know, kids with disabilities getting bullied. Did, did you experience bullying? I did, or, but I'll tell you how I put a stop to it is I yeah, made friends with the bullies. I made friends with the bullies. Hmm. You know, I just um, yeah. tried to win them over with personality. And um, one of my best friends, Todd Lysician, who unfortunately is no longer with us, um, was kind of the hmm. quote unquote tough kid in uh, junior high. And um, I met his, met him through his girlfriend at the time. <laughs> and, uh, hmm. He, I mean, we became the we became the best of friends. But uh, the immediately the immediate reason he liked me is because of my wheelchair. And, and he, mm-hmm. if he were here, he'd be the first one to tell you that. Because <laughs> he would, uh, I I met him, and in, in I think it was study hall, and he said, "I'm coming over to your house. I want to." I said, "I know you stand up for a while to." Um, reduce the pressure on your legs and get your circulation moving. But he said, I'm, mm-hmm. you give me a call and I'm going to come over and I'm going to ride around your wheelchair. Sound good. And he's not the, <laughs> he wasn't the type of guy that you said, he wasn't the type of guy you said no, no to. to. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so, so Tom, did you, sure. did you have your wheelchair? Did you have your wheelchair kind of like, um, uh, professor Xavier kind of deal? So cool that everybody wanted to ride in it kind of deal, or was it just kind of like, the whole thing of them being mystiqued by a wheelchair in general. I, I think it was just the notion that you could say, did you trick it, it out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just something they'd never experienced before. I mean, I, there were other kids in uh, that school system that had disabilities, but uh, in my class, nobody had ever really experienced that, especially Todd. Um, so like I say, he, um, he came over and um, got my wheelchair and 
attempted at some wheelies, usually falling on his head. <laughs> um, That's some stuff we would but, do too. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, like I say, we um, became the best of friends and he looked out for me. So I am very fortunate that I never experienced any sort of bullying because I was mm-hmm. basically friends with the, with the quote unquote badasses. So I was, I was yeah. good. <laughs> Easy. Now we don't have that kind of language on our show. Just so you know, I often wonder, <laughs> you know, I often wonder, it's just a hypothesis like that. I'm kind of pondering is, I feel like it's through the adversity of life. That's what defines us. Um, you know, you, you've excelled having a very, you know, difficult start. Um, I mean, even from your bio, you've been very successful and it's, you know, you've learned how to do things that other people might think is, Oh, just easy. And they think take for granted, you know, things that are challenging. Um, and I feel like in today's like safe space environment that we're teaching kids to have almost like a, you know, like a victim complex, like someone else has to come along and save you because you're not going to save yourself. I mean, you, you developed, obviously developed a skill set to like use the resources you had, your wit, your humor, your mind to overcome adversity and turn, you know, you're an adversary into an ally. And I think that made you stronger. Whereas I think if we don't, you know, encourage kids to fight through their own battles there. It just makes them, makes them weaker. And, you know, it makes right. them like susceptible to like sit around and wait for someone to come save them instead of saving themselves. Um, do you have a feeling on that? I mean, is that, Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I agree. I agree. 100%. Um, my father, mm-hmm. um, three-star athlete, <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. served in the United States army, six, four, um, 206, big dude. And, um, yeah, never, never coddled me. Um, yeah, wonderful provider for our family. <clears throat> and, um, but, uh, basically said, figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, dad sounds like that sounds like my dad. My dad, yeah, material. Yeah. You know, it was, Dad, somebody stole my ball. Huh? Go get your ball back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. See, you I feel figure, I, you figure I, it out. Yeah, I feel figure. like, you know, when you're talking about like that, dads or people are, dads are a little wired differently, some of them today. Um, like my dad would be the same way. Hey, you go get that ball back. You know what I mean? Or if somebody, you know, does something to you, you handle it. You know, right. I can get involved if I need to be where... I feel like mm-hmm. we miss, I feel like parenting today takes that opposite route to a degree. I've seen it. I coached for, you know, over 15 oh, years. Wow. Um, and I, and I saw a huge swing from the early stages of my coaching until the later stages of coaching when I retired from it. And uh, where parents always wanted to step in and, and defend their, defend every situation that the kid was mm-hmm. going through versus allowing them sure. to, go through those and learn how to deal with things. Um, and that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> I just, you just triggered my brain when you said that. And I just thought I would say, right. yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's something that right. you see all the time. Helicopter parenting. So, you know, what were some, 
Yeah. What was some of your favorite things when you were, when you were growing up, like that you liked to do when you're, you know, all the way up, you know, let's go from the time that, you know, you've got your, um, you've got mobility back and, you know, you're going through uh, junior high or middle school, elementary, like what are some of your favorite memories from those times? Like things that you really stand out, like. Um, just the friendships that I made basically. Mm -hmm. Um, many, many people that I grew up with. I mean, I live in a small, I come from a small town. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what our population is now. It's, it's, it's grown, um, by leaps and bounds, but I don't know exactly what the population is, but anyway, back in the day, back in the seventies, eighties and nineties and beyond, um, you lived in the type of town where everybody knew everybody. And, um, so I've, I've had friends that I've known from, uh, pre-K, I think. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. one of my friends, Bill O'Brien. Shout out to Bill O'Brien, your your cutter to the stars. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I've known him since I was four years old. We sat in uh, um, pre-K together. So, and uh, my other friends, so, go ahead. Yeah. So. Oh, no, no. I was just going to, um, I was going to say, um, you know, I, I was reading that you got into like wheelchair basketball. Yeah. For, um, a, for a whole year. And yeah. <laughs> a whole one season, right? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah. yeah. It, was, it was, I thought it was pretty, it was pretty interesting reading your bio and it gets, you know, you, uh, you, um, you know, it got to the point where you're talking about, uh, you know, playing wheelchair rugby, but then you did a, a transfer and, broke your leg and your parents are like, Nope, no more. Right. <laughs> yeah. Talk about, talk about um, martial law instituted on you. Oh. I mean, they, they weren't, they weren't playing. They, they said you're done. I, so. I can imagine you're done. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> um, so what other like activities do you do? And cause I'm, you know, one of the things, uh, I love the quote that you said, you know, uh, you know, stay busy and stay engaged is, is the key to like happiness, um, you know, and, and just living life. So like, what, what do you, what do you do to like, like stay in, you know, stay busy and stay engaged? Well, um, I'm on the internet a lot. I mean, you're laid up in a hospital or a bed right now. So <laughs> right now you're <laughs> yeah. just kind of waiting to yeah. heal. But you know, when you have, when you're not working on your book and you're, yeah. uh, have other times, like what are some of your hobbies and stuff like that? Um, I, I'm on the internet a lot. I'm, a, I'm big on social media. Um, mm-hmm. I write as much as I can. Um, right now, I'm sort of working on a book idea I have for my great-great-grandfather, my great-grandfather, who was named Albert, was named Albert Stone. And again, long story short, uh, Grandpa Al uh, was a photographer for the Rochester Herald. And um, mm. this is in the 1920s and 30s. And um, oh, wow. he uh, took over 1,400 glass negatives, pictures, 
and uh, mm-hmm. they're all um, on display at the Russia Museum and Science Center. And um, they're also digitized, wow. and they're, all the images are um, online. Um, just if you're so inclined someday, <clears throat> do a Google search for Albert Stone and the Russia Museum and Science Center. And uh, hopefully all the images will come right up. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to check, I'll, I'll check that out after the show. Yeah, it's, we'll it's put a link up in our uh, Instagram story for it. That'd be cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I know you're an aspiring author, but it looks like your sister is also an author. She uh, is. She yep. Yeah, it says she's published some health and wellness books, or she's mm-hmm. writing health and wellness books, and she published a romance novel. Well, um, she's working on it. She's, so that's got to be pretty exciting. Yeah, it's very. Work, oh, working on it. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, it seems like you and just had like a really close bond. Which oh, is really we're, cool. we're incredibly close. Um, um especially now yeah. that my folks are gone, you know, it's us yeah. against the world. So, I mean, I have, I have, I'm very close with my family, but, uh, uh mm-hmm. immediately it's, it's she and I, and my brother-in-law, the three of us, it's us against the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 You, you and your brother-in-law took over the, uh, the car business. After your father passed, no, you ran it for actually, a while. Um, actually, we didn't. Or um, that's what the story said. Oh, okay. Somebody, yeah, that that was. They have, they have to correct this bio. <laughs> yeah, that was that was somebody else's narrative. They weren't listening when I was telling the story. Um, oh, okay, so. yeah, so correct this because that's that's the story that I got. So I don't want to go down the wrong path. <laughs> um, um, the Van Bortle Group. Um, mm-hmm. uh, lady by the name of Kitty Van Bortle, who's <clears throat> been friends with my dad forever, and um, after he passed, they uh, came along and uh, happily gave us what we were, you know, we were looking for, and uh, <clears throat> the rest is say is history. And honestly, I couldn't really see myself working for anybody but my father. So, mm-hmm. um, I headed for greener pastures and, um, I'm working with a friend of mine right now <clears throat> by the name of CJ Glickman and he owns uh, Glickman digital media and, um, okay. he does a lot with viral content and, uh, I kind of scour the internet for him and Hey CJ, what do you think of this? Or what do you think of that? And, uh, Plus, I do voiceover work for him for a lot of his uh, uh, audio projects. <laughs> so, oh, that's really awesome. Why you should be doing yeah, an cool. Audible book. <laughs> like I was saying earlier, if you got the voice right. for it, you need to do it, my friend. Yeah. yeah well, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, um, I, 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 so, it's like I it's, say. Um, It's really incredible. You know, I, I harp on like social media and like, you know, um, the internet because I'm not a big fan of it. But the the bright side are, is, is it does give people like yourself the ability to get your message out, um, interact with the world in a way that's incredibly meaningful. Um, so there is positives. It's just, I you know, sometimes I wish that we could focus more on the positives and less on the negatives, you know? Uh, 
it's funny because like if you look at my Instagram feed, uh, like I was telling Brad, like I follow a lot of people with disabilities, and I follow a lot of cooking channel or co- people that cook, not channels, but people that that, that focus on cooking. Um, which is, you know, he, he laughed at me a little bit, uh, but you know, it's, there's so much great content that people put out, um, especially people with disabilities, uh, and there's so much motivation and so much like power in their message, um, that it's, um, you know, I don't know. It's just so motivational. Like that's, it's kind of, I can't put, put it into words very well right now. I'm I'm losing for words. I'm lost for words, but. Brad, I was just going to interject. Brad. I was going to say because Mike was bringing up how he follows people with handicap and you know disabilities and and uh, mm-hmm. people who cook. So I recently started getting into it myself because we have a tendency like to bounce things off of each other, and I found it to be very interesting too. I mean, because it was more uplifting some of these uh, people with these disabilities and the things that they do and they're accomplishing. You know, so it, it was very motivating for me to go and and see. You know, they're doing it too. You know what I mean? Just like everyday right. life. We're all, you know, yep. we're all doing it, you know? Um, and it's yep. nice to get away in the people in the cooking, you know, it's good to see with people with great attitudes and they're cooking and they're sharing their meals and things of that nature versus the, the slamming of people and the, the constant bombardment of negativity that you get across your feed because the algorithm, yeah. we've talked about this on prior shows, Mike, yeah. is that the algorithm, you know, bases what it wants to show you on what you look at. So if you bring more right. positive things in, you're going to start getting more positive things on your feeds. Yeah. We saw, right? It's kind of, it's, it's motivational. Yeah. It's, it's motivational in a way too, because like, you know, sometimes you have a tendency, you know, if you look at like, you know, like Robert Downey juniors of the world, you're just like, man, he's got it all. Like, you know, he's good looking, he's like successful. And you, you feel like, Oh man, I, I can never do that. But when you follow somebody else that, you know, like has ALS, you know, and they've got a, you know, at 28, uh, there's a girl that I follow and she's just the most upbeat, productive yeah. member of society. And she knows like her days are limited because of the disease. Um, but she's making the most out of life. And it's just kind of like a good kick in the ass. Cause it's like, damn, you know what? I need to have that perspective and not this, like, what was me? Why can't I be this, you know, superstar, you know? <laughs> and I'm not talking about myself. I'm just talking about people in general. Cause you have a tendency no, to constantly be looking up at the people that are way ahead of you and, you know, um, not looking, you know, left or right and seeing the people that are next to you and saying, look at the struggles they have or the people that started off with less and they've, you know, overcome all of their obstacles to have, more than what you know what you've got you know what more than what i've got as an able body person so it's like really motivational like i don't know it's uh just gives you a whole different perspective on life um so the the book that you're writing is is that the journey of your life um or is it like tell us a little bit about your book i know you want to talk about it the the actual story um centers around my misadventures in Canada and um, this gentleman by the name of Wally, who is a wonderful human being. Um, I actually talked to him on the phone. I may have told you that a couple of years ago and um, yeah. he still practices. Um, he still goes in the office every day and uh, consults. But um, I don't know. He and I, didn't exactly hit it off at first because you know i'm a rotten little four-year-old kid and i want to you know <laughs> yeah give everybody wedgies and want to slap everybody that's 
you know, coming in my so nose. So we supposed zone. to stop doing that once we reach a certain age? Yeah. <laughs> you know, From what they tell me, I haven't. Uh, yeah. But um, you need to talk to Mike. But, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, but anyway, um, I've I've never received a wedgie, and I've never given a wedgie. I, I cannot lie. I don't think I have received one. Yeah, not a fun experience. I have I received told. one. My luck. No, it's I really was, not. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was a victim of book dropping. Oh, you were a victim of book dropping? Yeah, a victim of book dropping. Where they come in, you know, <laughs> it was cool back in like junior high not to carry your bag, your book books in a backpack, like just to hold your books between classes and the lockers. <laughs> so people would come up and slap, your slap books the books out of your, out of your hand. hands and all your paper and everything would go everywhere. Yeah. Well, at least you didn't have the ultimate, guys. I I literally got picked up and placed in a garbage can and was told to sing uh, "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star," and I did it. Wow! Yeah, I so I had quite the voice. I had quite the That's voice of my sophomore year. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of did the same thing that Tom did. Like I literally like, um, you know, I was I was a pretty smart kid growing up. So there was a um, a football player in one of my classes. He was a big dude, and. Uh, I could see that he was struggling in the class a little bit. So I was like, Hey man, like I'll help you out. Like he was a really nice guy in general. Like he wasn't like a bully or anything like that. And it wasn't like, he was like, do my homework for me. But I kind of started helping him out in class a little bit, helping explain things. And, you know, we became really good friends. And once I became friends with him, it's kind of like everybody else left me alone. Cause they knew, yeah, they knew what was up, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's like, there's always a bigger bully basically. So it's kind of yeah. like, you know, you're, you're walking down the hall with a guy that's like, I don't know. I think he was like six one and everybody else is in their like four foot yeah. range, like four foot eight yeah. range. You know, you're walking down the hall with him, like the class, like no one's going to run up between you guys and try to book drop you because they can't get out of his like, you know, eight foot wingspan before you can grab him. <laughs> it's like Tom said, you know, you always friend the big guy. You know what I mean? I had the same friend in, in yeah. my uh, sophomore year after I got, put in a garbage can his name was travis and i friended travis real quick and uh, everybody left me alone for the remaining years and by that time i was a senior and it didn't matter anymore because i was the big dog on campus so you know yes. but i made sure i didn't do the same thing that happened to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was horrible my my ninth grade year to the kid below me for a a period of time until he avoided me because he'd always show up at the same time at class and he was he would take forever to like put his books and stuff in his locker and it would cause me to be late to class so i started like opening my locker and like dropping my books on him from the top Jesus. <laughs> until he would like not be there so he finally just decided to like hurry either hurry up and be out of the way by the time i got to my locker or I don't know if he moved lockers, but I was just like, I felt kind of bad about that. But I was like, man, he's always in the way. And he takes forever to like try to figure out how to, you know, Rubik's Cube his backpack into like, I don't know about you guys, but like in high school, like I took all my books out of my backpack and stuck them in there and then kind of rolled my backpack up and put it on the top ledge as opposed to like putting my backpack in there with all the books in it and then trying to pull the whole backpack out and pull the books out for the next class. Yeah. And he was a seventh grader, and I tried to explain it to him, and he was just kind of like a little brat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you had a mobile, you had a mobile, uh, had a mobile, mobile uh, store yeah. unit with you. <laughs> yeah, he had a mobile office. He was the first one to have a mobile, yeah, a mobile office, office. <laughs> for the day. Because you're, 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 yeah. if, Tom. You don't mind me asking, how old are you? I just turned fifty-three uh, last September. Um, hey, welcome is, to the club. <laughs> Yeah, same, same, the, same age as Brad. Yep. 
Welcome to the Mike's the young buck club. on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mike's the yeah, young buck. Mike's the young buck on the show now. I'm not. I'm not that young anymore, though. I'm not a whippersnapper anymore. <laughs> so, oftentimes, I find myself the old man in the group. <laughs> so, so Tom, um, you know, wrapping up your book, uh, what are you expecting everybody to get out of this uh, this book this that you're writing? Well, um, I guess number one is education. Um, mm-hmm. To learn about my experience in Canada and with this device and um this mm-hmm. great gentleman by the name of wally motluck you know along with smatterings of my personal life and you know how i interacted with my friends and my family and whatnot and uh just a sense of who i am so, so you have a website where people can actually uh get some more information I, and about when I your book's going to be released yet or um I don't. Um, you can get a hold of me on Google, Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. I've got a couple of videos up on YouTube. Um, and what's your what's your handles for, for uh, your socials? For, let's just say Instagram. Uh-huh. People can probably find your other socials on that. Uh, Instagram is Tommy Corvette, I believe, and. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to think what Twitter is. It, uh, I think it's just Tom Turner, nineteen seventy maybe. I don't know. It's been so long since I put together the, the page. I kind of forgot. But just um, <laughs> yeah, do it. Had to look at yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, just do a Google we, search. We, we can drop. We can look. We can look it up, Brad, and drop it. In yeah, a, we'll, drop we'll in look our, it up. Our, our show notes when we do the show notes on it. Yeah. Um. um yeah, just do a Google search, Tom Turner, Victor, New York, and should bring up just about everything. There's uh, some news articles that were done and uh, things of that nature. And uh, you get to see the cool van I had years ago. <clears throat> it was called it was called a Neil van. And um, Neil van. You pushed a button. And the back end would drop. So mm. you could uh, wheel your chair up into the back of the van or inside of the van. And if you could drive, you could slide yourself into the driver's seat and uh, drive the vehicle. Um, nice. Fortunately, driving and I are not really friends. We, we've got a complicated relationship throughout the years. <laughs> um, I can only imagine. Yeah. But, but you are a big fan of NASCAR, so you obviously <laughs> like going fast. What, what, and, okay, good. I was, I was a little worried because I don't know the validity of this, <laughs> this bio this article sent me. I was like, did, did they make this up too? <laughs> did they change the narrative? <laughs> you can be like, actually, I like IndyCar. I don't know why they wrote NASCAR. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, and drag racing. That's cool. I mean, gosh, dog, like you, you were around some of the coolest years of Corvettes with your dad's business probably. Yeah. And, uh, man, it's so awesome. Like, <laughs> um. Yeah, that, that's 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 great. So, 
What? Who's your favorite NASCAR driver? Um, he doesn't one? drive anymore, but Matt Kenseth. Um, Matt Kenseth. Okay. He used to drive the DeWalt Ford for years, and I'll tell you why he's my favorite. Oh, is nice. I met him once mm-hmm. at Watkins Glen, and a year later, he remembered me. I was walking through the garage areas, well, wheeling through the garage areas with my dad. And um, he saw me and I saw him. And I didn't think, you know, I'll say, you know, I'll say hi to him. Not not thinking that he would remember me. But uh, I went up to him. And he said, oh, hey, Tom. Oh, hi, Matt. You know, how's your car doing? <laughs> That's pretty awesome. You know, and we went into this long discourse about racing and um, air pressure and drafting and um, wedge, how much wedge he put in his car and um, how much air, air, air pressures in the tires and whatnot. I don't know why I just imagined you drifting your van for some reason. I don't know why that just went through my head. Here comes Tom around the corner. <laughs> my my father did. My father did a couple of times. Um, because he used to be a uh, he used to be a race car driver. Oh. back in the day. I bet your mom was uh, really happy about that, huh? <laughs> Not really. Drifting no. a car all the time. Yeah, I was gonna say. I actually got. I got to run a um a three quarter size uh, stock car on a little oh, wow. uh, local track um for like it was a uh it was like a celebrity race. I wasn't a celebrity at the time. What happened was the person that was supposed to go on it was too tall to fit in the to fit in it. So there, I happened to be there at the right place at the right time. So they were just like, "Hey, can you get in this?" And it, I was a lot skinnier, so I was like, "Yeah, hundred percent." So I oh, got sure. in there, and they're like, "Just don't get it out of third gear." And, you know, growing up, like, uh, Days of Thunder, I think, had literally just come Days out in the movies, like, like a couple of months before that. And the only thing I can imagine was just, you know, Tom Cruise just <laughs> speeding around this thing. And it was pretty cool. So I got up to, like, I don't know, like 110, going yeah. around this short track, you know, just doing the big loops. Um, and the guys were, like, really cool, like, because they're, I mean, they're just, like, you know, keep up five, six feet away from that. And I ended up winning the race. I took the checker flag, which was crazy because the guy that was there was from the radio station, and he always won every year. Um, and I don't even know if I was supposed to beat him, like, because <laughs> it was, like, it was just, like, a celebrity, like, in-between race. It was, like, you know, when they were taking, like, some type of break or something between the races. Um, and I, I, I don't know, but I took the checker flag and I stole the photos. Yeah, they wanted me because they're like, don't get out of. They just said, don't like, don't get out of third gear. And I was like, I'm going all the way through this thing. Like, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not holding back. <laughs> I got nothing to lose. <laughs> but my life, I didn't realize, you know, hey, those things actually could be dangerous. Isn't it funny how much more brave <laughs> you are when you're young? <laughs> I'm just sitting there, you know, obviously I could, you know, when I pulled in, I could see the relief wash over the pit crew's face. Cause they're like, you know, I'm driving some driver's car oh that's got a race later. <laughs> you know, and they're like, please don't put it in the wall. Please don't put it in the wall. But, uh, that was a hell of an experience. So I've got to ask, cause the articles that, um, that was sent down to me, um, they're a little older. Have you made it to the Daytona Speedway yet? I haven't. That's in Florida. Definitely a bucket list. I have not. 
Yeah, definitely a bucket list. Okay. Um, Tom, yeah, let me know when you come because Tom, let me know when you come because I would probably join you. I have never been to the Daytona 500 in my 53 years I on this planet. Never been. And I have heard the where to be is in the grandstands, period. Like yeah. it's the best the experience. Yeah. yeah, well. Um, okay, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. high roller. I mean, if you want you wanna you wanna throw a couple tickets my way, I'm well, cool with that. <laughs> well, unfortunately, my uh my cop's yeah. no longer with me, but um years ago my father <laughs> um somehow got credentials to get into the garage area. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, that's so cool. Of course, he knew everybody. Um, he's a very good yeah. friend, was very good friends with, um, Brett Bodine from, uh, Chemung, New York. Brett, Jeff, and Todd. And, uh, Todd or Brett, um, raced for a number of years for Paychecks in Rochester, which is this huge, um, multinational payroll company. And once he retired, he decided they wanted him, just because of his driving acumen, we'll call it, wanted him to drive the pace car at all the races. So that's what he does now. And um, he's also director of cost containment for NASCAR. He's got a test job. (laughs) Whereas if... um, NASCAR's got a project. They submit it to Brett, and he goes over all the. He's a numbers cruncher. He's a. He went to. He took business in uh, Cornell University, <clears throat> so he's well educated, and um, he goes over all these projects with the fine tooth comb, fine tooth comb, and tells NASCAR where they can cut costs. You know, make make things come in under budget and be more affordable and whatnot. <coughs> so nice. Well, okay. So I've got one thing to say before we get out of here and I'm just going to be like, it's a date. If we get, you know, we give, if you get tickets, we get tickets to whatever. Um, I, since I, Mike, have you been to the Daytona 500? You probably have. No, I have not. Oh, you have. Uh, or you've been to a different race. I've been to the Speedway, but I've never been to the actual Daytona. Well, I heard that's the race you got to go to. That's what I've heard. That and the uh, I think yeah, there's another yeah. one. I think there's another Pepsi one, I believe, or something like that. They do down Walker's here. The Storm. Storm. They yeah, they have, a, they have a they have a bunch of different what races on there. I went to a tr- I went to a truck race there. What did you say, Tom? Oh, did you? Uh, Watkins Glen's another great track, which is in practically okay. in my backyard. Um, forty that's forty miles out of Victor, and um, it's a road course. So there's not there's not a bad bad spot in the house. All right. So again, if we get if we That'd get into Daytona, one. it's a date. We got to got to get down here. Got to get down here and enjoy the sunshine. Right. <laughs> get out of that cold weather sounds that you're in right now. The super uh, <laughs> sounds good. To you. Well, listen, Tom. I just want to say thanks for coming onto the show. We really appreciate you, man, uh, coming on and telling us your story, telling us about your book. Uh, you know, Mikey, you got any last words? Uh, no, I just really appreciate being on there. Um, I can't wait to look uh, to see your book when it comes out. I'm definitely going to get it and uh, I'll read it. Um, so I'm real excited about that. It was, it was very nice meeting you. Um, yeah, likewise. Like, great meeting you guys. Um, um, yeah. I know it's yeah. been in the planning process, planning stages for a while, but uh, 
I finally, yeah. Finally, yeah, we finally I, got it. <laughs> I finally got it. Got to meet you guys. And I've been watching some of your old material, yeah. and I'm impressed. Thanks, man. He's got a good it. thing there. Well, yeah. Well, once you publish your book yeah. and you have it out, and you and if you know, we'll, we'll we'll reconvene and do this again and talk about the book in general in depth after after reading it ourselves too. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. All right, guys. Awesome. Well, listen. Um, if you want to follow Tom, we'll have some of that up on our socials. We'll have um, a link to his Instagram or some other things as well once we get it from him. And uh, don't forget, you can head over to the Daily BM on Instagram and on the um, Tiki Talk. You can also just go to our website at thedailybm.com and get more of our socials there. Uh, Mikey, you got anything before we get out of here? Uh, no, man. I just really pr- uh, enjoyed the interview, and uh, it was really nice meeting you, um, Tom. And you know, yeah, likewise. I wish you the best and a speedy recovery, and uh, hopefully in the near future we'll all get together again soon. Yeah, I love that. All right, guys. Well, listen, we're out of here today, so we will see you guys on the next show, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Have a good one.